it's nice to be home for Christmas. We were over in Abaden and um, uh, Benin and um, Lagos. And all over the place, you realize how, how many people have got themselves into a place where they don't understand what Jesus has done for them. And, and Christianity is totally supernatural. If you don't believe in miracles, you can't be a Christian. Because without miracles, the miracle of the virgin birth, you can't believe that Jesus is God. Uh, he was born of a virgin. So without the miraculous, there is no way you could possibly be a Christian. And that's what's so wonderful about it. Um, the miraculous really challenges everything. Um, we, we don't bring a philosophy, we bring the reality of Jesus Christ. We're sharing with people that Jesus is God, the only true God. But then what he did for people is so important, and the gospel is so important. What's happened is that, that um, people preach another gospel, which isn't another gospel, but there'll be some that pervert you, says Paul to the Galatian church. There's some who want to make you believe that there's something you have to do in order to uh, benefit from redemption. People think that you can somehow get something from God if you fast. Well, I can tell you, you can die of starvation before you'll ever get God to do what he doesn't want to do. End of story. And when you start telling them that, they get offended. But then you point out that in Scripture, it was never instituted by God. Never. And that's the wonderful thing. People always like to come and say, well, Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. So he did. When the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights and to be tempted of the devil, but that was the Spirit's doing. It wasn't a ritual, it wasn't something that was part of it, and in fact it's wonderful to note that Jesus' disciples never did it. I love it. You know, the apostles, early apostles, turn with me to Matthew, just, just to show you. It. God never intended the church to be there to control people. God intended Jesus Christ to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it's lovely. In Matthew chapter 9, then came to him the disciples of John saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But thy disciples fast not. Verse 14 of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, in a good authorized version. All right. But it probably says it in the NIV as well. It says it in the Greek too. Thank you, Dr. Hayden. <laughs> I'm so glad to know that. And which version of the Greek might one ask? No. <laughs> Greek text. Um, why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, 
but thy disciples fast not. Hey, what a question. Here they say, well, why do we fast? They have to come to Jesus and say, what on earth are we starving ourselves for? And the Pharisees, why do we do it? And thy disciples fast not. They were really angry. They're nothing worse. You know, when someone's free and they're in liberty, there's nothing worse than someone who's got all religion bound up. You know, they've got to have their little bit of religion. Now, basically, it was an accusation. They were coming to suggest to Jesus, hey, something's gone wrong. But listen to the answer. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Well, can they? Can they? No. Uh, and that's the fact. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then shall they fast. And when was the bridegroom taken from them? Calvary. And when did he return? Third day, rose from the dead. And when did he pour forth his spirit? Day of Pentecost, 50 days from Calvary. And I want to tell you something, uh, 40 day ascension, okay. And when he returned, what happened? The Holy Ghost came mighty and, and explained in Revelation when Jesus comes on the white horse conquering and to conquer. And um, true and faithful's on his thigh. That was the day of Pentecost. I, I believe Jesus is here. See, God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost live in me. And they should live in you if you're a Christian. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And you can't divide God up, can you? No, you can't. See? And so when we come to Christmas time, we rejoice in the bridegroom's with us. Well, can the disciples fast while the bridegroom's with them? Hello? Doesn't make you holy to go without food, does it? Now, why do you fast? Why fast? Tell me. You say, well, I want to get closer to God. Well, he lives in you. How, how, how can you get any closer? Hmm? Well, I want a revelation. Well, get a revelation of Jesus Christ. He lives inside. What good is going without food? Uh, and... I found one of the things that saddened me was people trying to get a miracle from Christ by doing something. You're saved by faith. I want to tell you, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's by grace are you saved through faith, and it's a gift of God. That's the good news. Hey, you do not have to do anything. Jesus has already done it 2,000 years ago for you. And that's what I think is so one. That is the gospel.
Don't ever blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Turn around and make out you're making a sacrifice for God. You never could. You've got nothing to give. It all belongs to him. He's creator of heaven and earth, isn't he? He's king of kings and lord of lords, isn't he? Everything's upheld by the power of his word. So we haven't got anything we can give. We have a responsibility to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. But in the end, that's all we can do. We can come and we can surrender to Christ. And that's why the gospel, so wonderful, brings people back to reality. Hey, he did it all. And then he goes on. No man putteth a piece of new cloth into an old garment, for that which is put in to fill up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break and the wine runneth out. And the bottles perish, but they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. The reason he said that is, look, one of the dangers always is, you take ritual, you take history, you take tradition, and you try and add it to the gospel, and you tear the whole thing apart. You go back into the Old Testament, and you take Judaic customs, and you try and put it with the gospel, you tear the whole thing apart. That's why salvation and redemption is so wonderful. That's why the story is so wonderful. It was God originated, God ordained, God fulfilled, God completed, and God has done it all. And when we look at it, it's the best gift you can have at Christmas to realize that you don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all for you. Your response to what he's done when you realize it is you say, well, my reasonable service is to sacrifice my life. <laughs> that which he's given me in gratefulness for what he's done. But in essence, it's by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Why? It's a gift of God. Wonderful gift, total freedom. Healing's the same. It's in the atonement. Everything's in the atonement. This idea of ritualistic fasting is anathema to God. Disciples never did it. Do you know, right through the scriptures you'll find Paul didn't do it. Never taught on it in the epistles. There was one time when he went back into Judaic things, shaved himself, and went in the temple, you know, shaved his head. Took an oath, says so. And the only other place you'll find it in Scripture is in Acts, when they went back into some of the old Judaic customs to ordain Paul and Barnabas. There were certain teachers and prophets, and they, they fasted together. It doesn't say they abstained from food. It doesn't say how long, but they were fasting and praying. And that's the only time you'll find when it says of Paul he was in fasts often, you know, in two days and a night in the deep, in fast often, the word there is in foodlessness. In other words, there were no food available. But if you're actually 
in the deeps for two days and a night, you don't usually find a ham sandwich floating by you. Um, and so he was in, he went without food quite often, but that was nothing to do with a religious fast. See, when people read what the Bible actually teaches, do you know in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you've got the same story repeated in all three Gospels? Complaint. Why don't your disciples fast? And in Luke, it's much clearer. It says, when the bridegroom's taken away, they will fast in those days. And it limits them to the days he was taken away. Three days. That's it. That's why I told people I don't fast and pray. I pray fast. It gets things done. Glory to God. Uh, and you know, you say, well, what if God specifically tells you? Fine, if the Lord specifically tells you and he leads you and he specifically does so, I have no problem. You better obey him. But don't you try and put it on me. And don't you try and tell me it's something to make you um, more holy or more devout. Let's look at Corinthians, the first chapter of Corinthians. Wherever I, whenever I go there and I see these poor people hounded like that, it upsets me. It's the same way that people talk about money. You know, they tell you if, if you if you give $10, you're going to get, you know, a thousand back. I believe in sowing seed. I do believe in that. Uh, whatever the seed is, your life, money, whatever you sow, God says if you give, it'll be given back. Good measure, pressed down, running together. You know? Okay, I agree with that. I don't, I'm not against that. But if you think that tithing is going to open the windows of heaven and pour you out money, you're wrong. It's a biblical principle that I totally agree with, but it's pouring out blessing from heaven. And then God says very clearly in Malachi, he says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'll bless the work of your hands. And if your hands don't work, God's got nothing to bless. And the idea that somehow giving God money is going to get you money back is a deception. That's why education's so important. You need to know, get a good education, succeed in life. You can't succeed unless you get an education. Knowledge is an important thing, both in the gospel and in life. You need to work. Christianity is not an opt-out of life. It's life and life more abundant. It's not that you retreat from it. You go into it even more abundantly. And God blesses everything. Uh, in Corinthians, the first chapter, Paul, verse 1, called to be what? An apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Now, do you know, it's the will of God that appoints men to ministry. You cannot train a man to be a minister. He cannot choose to be a minister if it's not the will of God. No amount of training, no amount of him making efforts is ever going to produce 
what God alone can do. Goes on in verse 2, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Now, notice it's given you. It's not something that you somehow obtain. It's something God gives. And then you need to increase it. Knowledge and utterance. You come to share the gospel. You come to share what's happened. And he goes on. Even verse 6, as a testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you, become, you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the word there coming is revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called unto fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and there be no divisions or schisms among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. One thing that happens when the Holy Ghost comes, you'll find in Acts chapter 2, is they become one heart, one mind in everything. There's always people who want to be at variance, but one sign of the Holy Ghost coming is there's one heart, one mind. And the whole of purpose of the devil is to sow division. That's all he can do. He divided Adam and Eve from God. That was his purpose. His purpose always has been to bring division. How does he do it? Why? He did it by lies, has God said. Did God? You know, people can sow doubt in anyone's heart, can't they? That's how the devil operates. And you know when he's operating because he comes to sow schism and doubt and division. That's his purpose. That's his job. Now it's a good thing you'll find that people uh, know that when heresies come it's a good thing because it tests people, it wakes people up and you examine things and say now just a minute is this true or is this false? In a church you'll always get fringe people who come in, visitors who come in and that's why it's so important to understand a church becomes a one heart and one mind. <coughs> And then he goes on. It's good news. Over further down in the chapter. Uh, verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. 
For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. What is the preaching of the gospel? And the preaching of the cross. Well, it's basically telling people this. There's, there's only two things you can do in life. Two options. Your will and God's will. Now, if you want to embrace the cross and have God's will in your life, you can be a Christian. If you want to go your way, you're a heathen. And the power of life in Christ is the choice, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who's going to do it? Me and you. So it's not making your choices and going your way. It's making a definite decision to die to yourself and go God's way. That's it. And God's way demands that you give up what you want to do what he wants. And that's painful. Because you can have a lot of good reasons why your way would be better. I've seen a lot of people argue, saying, well, you know, well, yeah, I think God wants me to do this, but once you put the butt in, you take the cross, which is the power of God, out of the gospel. And if you go your own way, you're going to destroy yourself. The good news is God knows that. And so he's got his will, and he wants you to go his way, and you'll find his way's perfect. And that's it. And those are the only two choices. Now the devil will try and convince you with arguments, reasons, rationale. And strangely enough, the devil often takes truth and makes it a lie. Said to Jesus, well, cast yourself off the temple, for it's written he's given his angels charge over you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Quite right. But the way it was spun and interpreted by the devil was totally false. It was going to make him tempt God. And he said, no, I won't do that. See, the devil is always wanting to get us to go against God's will. That's his operation. And the cross, the choice to go God's way, is what Christmas is all about. Mary said, be it unto thy handmaiden according to thy will. She submitted herself to the will of God. She took all the reproach and she was already espoused to be married to Joseph and yet she was prepared to accept the reproach and rejection in order to do God's will. Fortunately the angel, you read in Matthew chapter 1, came to Joseph and said, Hey, don't put your wife aside, your espoused aside, because that which is within her is born of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph obeyed. He had to take the stigma. You remember years later, they turned round to Jesus and they said, we'd be born not out of wedlock. Threw it in his face. So everyone knew. You imagine Joseph. All his days, everyone knew that when he took Mary, 
she was already with child. He lived with that stigma. But then, the cross is the power of God. God's will. And we have to make choices in life. And Christmas is the time when it's easier to make a choice. Christmas is a good time. Tell people, hey, you know, there's a wonderful gift. Here's the deal. You can have God's gift if you give up everything you've got. That's really it. Because in the end, you can't live both ways, your will and his. Is that plain? Hello. Is that plain? Are you sure? So if you're here this morning and you're living your own way, you're on your way to hell. Say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. Saved from what? You've got to be saved from sin and self. Self-will is destruction. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Okay, if you're that smart and you think you can run it and you think you know how to run your life, God says, well, I'll tell you what I'll do, smart head. I'll bring it to nothing. The best laid plans of mice and men end up as nothing. You won't outwit God. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolishness the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Amen? You know, the truth is, there's only one sane way to live, God's way. There's only one sane way to go, God's way. There's a saying, birds of the feather flock together. You know what I do? I watch people. It's dead easy. You watch people, you see who they make friends with. You see who they associate with. I tell you. That's what they are. Where you gravitate to, that's where you are. If people want to go God's way, they find friends of people who are prepared to go God's way. If people want to go the world's way, you'll find they'll soon gravitate. You'll gravitate to the people that will match your will and your desire. Will pull you the way of the world. That's the way it goes. 
If you want to go God's way, you keep yourself clear of those and you go the right way. You make choices. Relationships make choices. So you look and you see who relates to who. That tells you what direction they're going in. If you relate to the wrong people, you know, there's some people that can depress you. There's some people, you see them, and they are depressing. The moment they open their mouth, it's a depression cloud. You know, they've always got some depression, and they want to share it with you. And they want to tell you. And they can always tell you how bad it is. And they've always got some gripe. Trouble is, there might be elements of truth in what they say. But the way they spin it and the way they put it, it's a lie. There's some people, if they tell me the truth, I, I know it's a lie. You say, well, how can the truth be a lie? Because someone with the wrong spirit telling you the truth is lying. Because truth is a person. Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. Devil came and he used scripture, but he used it for destruction. You've got to learn things. Some people can come along and it appears so right, but it's so wrong. Then you've got to be smart to know what spirit it comes from. That's how it works. That's why you've got to know who you're for. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? You know, Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? Say, well, they rule the children of Israel. They were. But then he took a sword and the Levites stood with him and they slaughtered 2,000 of them. Boom. Dodgy. And you've got to realize there's just times where God's going to define people. It's not bad. Paul makes it quite plain that uh, and you find some of the early writers, Christian writers said it's great when heresy comes because it sorts people out. They went out from us because they were not of us. Doubtless if they'd been of us they'd still be with us. And Paul prays for the Corinthian church. He says you should have been one heart and one mind. Should all speak the same thing, think the same thing. If you don't, something's wrong. Superstition traps you. Let it not be named among us. You know, we're not coming to a Christmas time where we're full of superstition. We're coming to a Christmas time where we believe in the gift of God. It's great gift he's given us, his son. And we're coming to celebrate it tonight. Tuesday night, invite people along, but share with them it's a gift. We're coming to celebrate the fact that God the Father gave his only begotten son. It's a free gift. Salvation's free. You don't have to be religious, thank God. You don't have to do anything for it. We're one heart, one mind, one body. God's birthed us from above. Keep it in your heart and your mind. And be of the same mind. Speak the same things. Live for God's glory, not yours. Live for God's 
kingdom, not yours. And avoid superstition. You know what's sad is when people are ignorant and don't know the way to go. Let's lift up our hands to heaven. Father, I just pray for these dear ones. Lord, that the word of truth and life will come to them. Lord, that you'll let your revelation come. Break the powers that bind. Lord, do a miracle for them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.